want people to walk away with a more true sense of what Hawaii is beyond what is offered, you know, in the more heavily trafficked places that visitors go. You know, there's so much more that Hawaii has to offer. Aloha, welcome to Hawaii's Best Podcast. Learn the stories behind Hawaii's best experiences, influencers, and businesses. Discover everything that makes Hawaii the Aloha State. And now your host, Brian Murphy. Aloha and welcome to episode 24 of Hawaii's Best. So glad that you are joining me today on this brand new episode. If you're here for the first time, just want to encourage you to hit subscribe and that keeps you up to date on all future episodes. And if you've been hanging out with us for a little while, I want to encourage you to uh, leave a review, drop a rating below. That'll also help other people who love Hawaii, just like you, be able to find our conversation here I'm just really pumped about today's interview. You heard a little bit from Anella Evans. She's a cultural practitioner on the island of Lanai. Today, we're going to be talking all about Hawaiian culture, but specifically uh, the culture on Lanai. And each of the islands has kind of their own culture. And we're going to hear from her all about what life was like growing up on Lanai and also what makes Lanai so special and such a beautiful place. If you've been hanging out with us for any length of time, you know what makes Hawaii beautiful, and that is its culture, and that's its people. At Hawaii's Best, we are up to a lot of amazing things that are going to be coming your way shortly, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Usually right now, in a typical episode, I'd be highlighting some of the things that we're doing and and uh, maybe some of the things that I want to draw your attention to, but I really think that this episode is so important. I don't want to distract anything from the conversation. I want you to hear my conversation with Anella. Uh, rather quickly here because it is so important. If you love Hawaii and you're traveling to Hawaii and you maybe you've experienced Hawaii on vacation or a trip, understanding the culture is really what Hawaii's best is all about. We we bring you some of the best experiences and some of the best things and the food to eat and, and all that good stuff. But at the heart of it is its people and its culture. This episode is so special to me and I hope that you find value in it as well, because when it comes to the heart of Hawaii, this is what it's all about. It's all about understanding a culture that may be different than the one that you grew up with. And when you're visiting a place, it's important to have a good understanding of the culture that you're traveling to. So that's why I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation with Anel Evans, who is a culture practitioner on the island of Lanai and you can find her on Instagram at A-N-E-L-A-L-I-I. And also at the end of this conversation, we reference her um, her site that she's working on where she's creating products and that is Day of Conquest. So you can go to dayofconquest.com or find her on Instagram on her shop page at Day of Conquest. So why don't we go ahead and head on over and talk story with Anella Evans on the island of Lanai. Aloha, and thank you so much for coming on Hawaii's Best today. How are you doing today? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Aloha, Brian. I'm doing very well today. My name is Anella Evans. I'm from the island of Lanai. It's a very small island in the Hawaiian island chain. Uh, we have a population there of about 3,100 people on the entire island. Uh, we're a very small and tight knit community. Um, today, I'm actually coming to you from Oahu, Honolulu. My mom relocated to Honolulu a few years ago and I came to visit her as well as um, support 
my nephews who are on two very prominent local football teams. So they're playing each other tonight. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it will be. Do you tend to get on Oahu often or the other islands? I try to come to Oahu at least once a month. I lived here when I was going to high school. I boarded at Kamehameha and I went to UH Manoa for, oh my gosh, it was like seven years total. I got my bachelor's and my master's degree there. So I'm pretty familiar with Oahu. I have a lot of family and friends here. So I like to come to Oahu do my shopping, visit my friends and see my family and then go home to the, the peace <laughs> and quiet <laughs> and the lack of traffic. Yeah. So, um, it's a nice little getaway, but I love Lanai and there's no place I'd rather be. What was it like growing up on Lanai? I mean, the only way I can describe it is I may be biased, but I think yeah. that I had the best childhood that any child could ask for. You know, we had free roam of the outdoors. I mean, we were constantly immersed in activities such as horseback riding. We, um, every summer, we'd go to the beach every single day and just play in the surf all day. I grew up, you know, going places with my dad and it was the best. I mean, we didn't have to worry about any type of anything that someone in the big city might need to worry about, you know. And even today, you know, kids that are six, seven years old still walk home from school. I mean, everybody knows everybody. So, you know, everybody sort of has each other's back and looks out for everybody. So I feel like I'm very blessed to have the childhood that I had. It taught me a lot. And I think it's one of the reasons why I am the way I am today. There's no other word to describe it, but yeah. blessed. <laughs> That's awesome. What did a typical day be like for you on the night? Typical day now would include waking up, going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to take my dog for a walk in the morning. And then I go to work. I work at the Four Seasons as the cultural practitioner there. Mm-hmm. So I go to work. My role is sort of to talk to guests and educate them about Lana'i, its history and its unique culture. Then I go home and I yeah. play with my dog. <laughs> my commute is maybe 10 minutes okay. um, at the most. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of time that we spend stuck in traffic or, right. you know, sort of in the rut of things. It's very stress-free, mm-hmm. uh, very laid back and relaxed. And that's the way I like it. Yeah. How long have you worked at the Four Seasons? I've I've been there a little less than a year. Prior to that, I moved back to Lanai after finishing my <laughs> my master's degree. I finished my master's degree in 2011, and then shortly after, I moved to Maui, mm. uh, where I was working for the Kahoolawe Island Reserve Commission. And I had the opportunity to work there because during my undergraduate and my graduate degree, while I was working to get those at University of Hawaii. I had a professor who sort of took me under her wing and uh, mentored me. And part of the experience in her class is service learning. Hmm. And one of the opportunities that was presented to the students is the opportunity to go to Kaho'olawe and participate in conservation efforts to restore the island. For listeners that 
that are not aware, Koho'olawe was bombed for a period of 50 years by the United States right. military. Um, it was sequestered on December 8, 1941, the day after Pearl Harbor was bombed to be used as a weapons training range. Bombing was ceased in 1992. It went on that long? Yeah. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. So even during the occupations, when you know people were fighting to stop the bombing and occupying mm-hmm. Koholave, they were still actively bombing um, the island. So occupations began in 1976, and it took you know 15 years for the wow. military to finally stop completely. After 1992, there was a period of 10 years in which they cleaned up the island and. Then the island was returned to the state of Hawaii to be held in trust for a federally recognized Native Hawaiian government or governing entity. Mm-hmm. However, during that period of cleanup, they didn't clean up everything. And the original sort of document that allowed for the military to take over use of the island was that when the time came that they no longer needed it, that they would return it in a state suitable for human habitation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And the protest Koho'olawe Ohana, as well as the state of Kauai'i, both engaged in conservation efforts to restore the island. So everything from, you know, um, planting native plants to building infrastructure mm-hmm. that will support conservation efforts, things like that is what, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to do. What was the state of the land? Maybe you can kind of, this is audio, but maybe like describe it, desolate type of... Very desolate, very highly eroded, severe loss of native forest Hmm. um, in a, I think it was like in the 1890s, Kalakaua, who was at that time, the king of Hawaii, visited Koho'olawe to sort of go on a quote-unquote pilgrimage at a certain place on the island because the waters of that bay were so revered and esteemed as, you know, sacred or very sacred. Mm -hmm. So Kalakaua had, you know, his party that traveled with him, his court, right? Mm -hmm. And there was an article that was published in a Hawaiian language newspaper that talks about um, what they saw when they visited Kaho'olawe, you know, and it talks about these beautiful lush forests full of native greenery. And so, you know, we have that to compare to what we see today. And the fact of the matter is that erosion did not begin with the bombing, actually started with the introduction of grazing animals. Hmm. So there are no grazing animals or land mammals with the exception of Ope'ape'a, which is a native bat. So there's no land animals, mm-hmm. with the exception of the Ope'ape'a, that native. are native to Hawaii. Yeah. So when they brought in grazing animals, such as sheep, goats, uh, deer, animals like that, you know, they caused severe devastation to the landscape. They ate everything. Um, they really enjoyed eating native plants. They still do today. The erosion and the loss of native forest on Koho'olawe began with the introduction of those types of animals. And it just, you know, escalated with the bombing. So uh, today, even though, you know, throughout the course of my time when I volunteered there, I've seen a lot of change and there has been a lot of good effort put in Mm -hmm. by the 
protect Kahu'alawe Ohana and the state of Hawaii, it's still in a state of desolation, pretty much. There are still areas that are completely bare, red dirt, hard tan is what the sort of type of surface that are prevalent in those areas. So essentially all of the topsoil washed away uh, and in, and they, it washed away into the ocean, right? Yeah, right. So the ocean surrounding Koholabe is impacted as well. But what the island serves as is uh, for, for many people that have visited there and myself included is a inspiration and a lesson for us in Aloha Aina. And Aloha Aina is essentially can be interpreted into English as love for the land, right? right? But the way I see it, Aina is encompassing of the entire natural environment, right? Mm -hmm. And in our uh, Hawaiian creation stories and genealogies, we come from the land. So Aina is encompassing of us as well, Mm -hmm. right? So it promotes a sense of holistic well-being and I guess... There's no separation. Exactly. There's no separation, you know. Um, for for Kanaka humans to thrive, the Aina has to thrive and mm-hmm. vice versa, right? right. Um, so it's, it's a very prevalent lesson in that. And throughout all of Hawaii, you know, there are very amazing examples of Aloha Aina and, and places where those lessons can be learned and can be brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that is the underlying sort of theme and and governing factor of a Hawaiian lifestyle, right? Essentially, it's the core of our culture. And it's definitely one thing that I like to share with people that visit um, or even, um, you know, children uh, mm-hmm. that, I, that I have opportunity to work with. So um, it is very impactful. Yeah, maybe speaking to that a little bit. I mean, I, I can imagine at the Four Seasons on Lanai, you have a family or people there maybe for a week, two weeks. What are you hoping to leave your guests with? I think that at the Four Seasons on Lanai and even in Four Seasons culture around the world, you know, we do our best and sometimes go above and beyond to extend our aloha, our our value of aloha and our and our other Hawaiian values towards our guests as well as towards our other team members, right? Mm-hmm. And that's an extension of the community that we live in on Lanai. We really try to help each other. We help our neighbors and we are one big family. And we work with the people that we live with, right? We work with the people that we see in our community, that we see in the stores, that we see at the post office. Um, our kids go to school with those people's children. So, you know, essentially it is one big family and we do our best to extend that feeling towards our guests. And that is a true sense of aloha and what Hawaii is really about. You know, we help each other. We extend our aloha towards lanai with our guests, you know, by sharing our cultural practices, by sharing our stories, Mm -hmm. our traditions, right? By educating our guests that, no, the name of our island is not Lanai, it's Lanai, right? And the name of this rock, the name of this island is not Sweetheart Rock, it's Pu'upehe. And this is why, 
right? You know, so allowing them to try to get a better sense of place, I think, is sort of what our goal is, especially our the team that I work with, my department at the Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that is the best way to sum it up. Yeah. A broader question would be, from your perspective, what does the future of tourism and respect for the Hawaiian culture, where do you see a coexist or a relationship? How would you define that? Or how would you ideally like to see that? Ideally, I'd like to see more culturally sensitive and authentic experiences for our guests. I want people to walk away with a more true sense of what Hawaii is beyond what is offered, you know, in the more heavily trafficked places that visitors go. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so much more that Hawaii has to offer. And I think that we as, you know, indigenous people of this land need to get the opportunity to contribute to the conversation of where the visitor industry and where the economy in Hawaii is going, Mm. you know, within the next 20 or so years in general. I think that nowadays we are at an advantage because there's a lot more like consciousness about, I guess, indigenous peoples and their life and our lifestyles, as well as a consciousness about caring for the environment, right? Which is essentially what Indigenous cultures are rooted in, right, is mm. is our relationship to the environment. And so I think that we're in an advantage for that. And I think that Hawaii and Hawaiians can or have a lot to offer when it comes to facilitating experiences that allow people to to learn those things and to get a sense of care for, you know, the, the environment and opening their eyes to other ways of life. So, you know, what I hope for is that we will sort of have a shift in the visitor industry in Hawaii where people are not coming here to look for just a fantasized Hawaiian getaway that was sort of created and plays on, you know, the spectacle of the other, right? right? Rather people come here and try to immerse themselves in the authenticness of the culture and really ask themselves, how can Hawaii impact me mm-hmm. rather than leaving here impacting our reefs or our, our islands, right? Right. And I think that the way that that can happen is, you know, people open their minds to different sort of teachings and mindsets that we have here or that we may be able to help them see, right? right. You hit it on the head. I was thinking mindset came to my mind too. And it's all about having that mindset and having that respect when Mm -hmm. visiting. And that goes so far because the love of the Hawaiian people, they just, you you, you could just give and give and give. And Mm -hmm. if you posture yourself with that mindset to receive, oh man, you're going to receive very well. And yeah. More so than that Mai Tai that's going to make an impact on you. No, you're going to be left with kind of this hole in your heart of the love for the land and the people. Exactly. And going beyond that, you know, taking it home with you and really thinking about, you know, how you can initiate and how you can tie the things that 
you learn when visiting Hawaii into your daily lives. You know, for example, this is just an example. Yeah. On Lanai, we say hi to everybody. It doesn't matter if we know them or not, right? Like right. if we pass somebody in the store, we say hi. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's so sad to me that people don't even like acknowledge each other. You know, they just walk right past each other. And I mean, kindness is huge, right? Like right. you can make or break somebody's day or you can make somebody's day by just, you know, being kind. If you see an elderly person that maybe perhaps needs help, you know, hold the door open for them or ask if they need help with something or, you know, like, just just exude kindness and a sense of aloha. And that also comes along with gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. Being being thankful and having that attitude of cup is always half full, not mm. half empty, right. right? Even if you're stuck in traffic, right? Like <laughs> it could be worse, right? right? right. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that that might be something that, you know, people can learn from Hawaii and just having a, a sense of aloha that that word just encompasses so much, you know, it's so much more than it's, it's literal interpretation of love, right? It right. encompasses so much more than that. And I think that helping and facilitating people's learning of that is hopefully going to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Switching gears a little bit, when I read your article in Hanaho on a flight to Maui on Hawaiian I was mm-hmm. probably, I was sitting next to my wife and her grandpa is, he's a stud. He's like almost <laughs> 90, grew up in New Mexico. He's a hunter. He's an outdoors guy. You know, he's, he's amazing. And he hunts deer. And I was so surprised and taken aback that on Lanahi, I didn't realize this, that there's a deer infestation. Mm-hmm. And that you actually hunt deer. Yeah. Have you grown up doing that your entire life? Well, you know, there is a, a pretty prominent community of hunters. Okay. Um, and deer were actually introduced to Hawaii in the 1800s and then later brought to Lanai in the 1920s. And from a, okay. an original herd of 12 that were brought over to Lanai, the population now is well over 10,000. Oh my goodness. You know, they have caused severe impact to the ecosystem, but they are a very popular source of entertainment, I guess you would call it, (laughs) Um, and sustainability, right? Um, Right. The cost of living in Hawaii is high and on Mm -hmm. Lanai, it's higher. So it's, it's a very helpful way in which we, you know, supplement our diets and and people feed their families. So when I was growing up, I didn't really have the opportunity to hunt. My dad was a lot older and he and my brother hunted when I was little and all my uncles and, you know, everybody went and and my mom even went with them. But I was left at at my tutu's house, my, my babysitter's house. And I just remember sitting by the window all day you know, watching for them to come home, right? Because yeah. I wanted to see what my dad harvested or what my brother harvested. So I didn't really have the opportunity to start hunting until essentially until I moved back home mm. to Lanai. But it is 
something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. But like, like I stated in the article, you know, it's an opportunity for me to unplug, right? Yeah. Leave this at home. It's the, important. Yeah. And just, you know, have the opportunity to get out onto the island and, and see what the environment and what the Aina wants to reveal to me, right? Are there still new explorations and new discoveries from your oh, perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Um, prior to working to the Four Seasons, I was working for Pulama Lanai, which is the landowner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lanai is privately owned, right? 90, 98% of it. And I was working in culture and historic preservation. And our task in that particular department was to care for the cultural and historical sites on the island. And there were many, many times where, you know, in sites that are frequently visited or not so frequently visited, but, you know, we find artifacts and evidence of Native Hawaiian life. We would find them quite frequently, pretty much. You know, it gives us clues into what our ancestors did there and what those particular areas were used for, what the significance of them were back in the times when, you know, prior to the times when we didn't have the modern technologies and things that we have now. So it's amazing to sort of see those things and then see how, you know, a lot of it was, I mean, nothing was placed or done in certain places without proper or without what they deemed to be proper ceremony, protocol, things like that, right? Uh, A priest or a kahuna had to choose that area. And he chose it based on signs that were given to him from the natural environment, you know? So when finding things, just trying to figure out, you know, what their thoughts were, what the observations were at that time and, and looking at places, the, the orientation of things, you really learn a lot. And that's the best textbook. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This is probably a, a big question, but a question I like to ask everybody that comes on the show. If someone's coming to the islands for the first time, or coming back year after year, what are some of the things that you'd want them to know? And I know we've talked a lot about those things, but maybe if we had to boil it down to like one or two things, just prior to someone boarding the plane and coming to the islands, what would you want them to know? I'd want them to, or I'd ask them to come to Hawaii with an open mind and with with the mindset that is willing to learn, that is willing to learn new ideas, new concepts, new values, and really allowing oneself to be, I guess, receptive mm-hmm. to you know what life here is all about. Yeah. And I definitely ask that you know people try to leave as little as a footprint as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you did indeed learn from Hawaii, then to take it home with you and share with others what you've learned. Mm-hmm. I love that. I also happen to notice you uh, you make earrings or jewelry. Maybe talk a little <laughs> yeah. bit about that. And how can people find those products? <laughs> so I've really started um, very small and very like my dad and my mom are... Well, my dad was a very creative person. He was always working with wood and he very much so put me to work as well. Good. Um, You know, I was the extra set of hands or holding the flashlight or the tape measure. You know, so I watched a, a lot of what he did when I was growing up and he really enjoyed 
creating things with his hands. And my mom as well. Um, mm-hmm. She loved making lei, uh, which are, you know, flower garlands. She, you know, she always had these bright ideas. She was an educator, right? And so when she had these bright ideas for her classroom, we were we we're very limited on, you know, things we can buy on the na'i. And we didn't have Amazon or, <laughs> you know, whatever back then. So, you know, we had to make it with what we had. My parents were always creating things. Um, my sister went to school for fashion design. And I remember one year she visited us for Christmas because uh, she lives now in Pennsylvania. And we made tons of ornaments, you know, out of like scratch, you know, and they're the most beautiful ornaments ever, you know. And, and my other sister is, is a very talented seamstress. So, you know, it's, it's just part of my family, right? Because yeah. like that's the, that's the culture. It's, it's what, what it's, you do. Yeah. 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 So cool. um, a couple of months ago, well, you know, I was always sort of into computers and technology and mm-hmm. we had like the original like Apple computer in my house and I love <laughs> to type and play on it, right? Yeah. And I wish my mom didn't throw it away because it must be worth a lot of money nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was into those types of things and I took a liking towards uh, design on the computer and I was researching, you know, how I could make ideas come to life. And I came across sort of a, a newer type of technology that mm. employs a laser to cut wood and acrylic. And, mm. and I mean, I knew it existed, but, right. you know, they, they made it like sort of like for us to have the ability to have those types of machines and use, utilize those types of technology in our own houses. So I knew I needed to get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the earrings and things that I make are done on a laser cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I design everything in, in Illustrator or other types of design software and then send it to the laser cutter to print and then, you know, I guess put it together afterwards. Yeah. But it's just a hobby that I love to do. You know, yeah. um, I like to be creative. I think that I was blessed with the opportunity to learn how to make things. I think it's just, you know, an extension of what my parents taught me, right? right. Um, and I, in my in my creations, I try to sort of purvey Ike Hawaii or Hawaiian knowledge to, I guess, bring a different medium of understanding to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, every piece tells a story, right? And right. that's something that's not new. I mean, fabric designers and uh, Native Hawaiian fashion designers have been doing that for years. So it's just an extension of that concept, right? Um, but, but I really want, you know, the wearer to be able to tell the story of what they're, what they're wearing. So yeah, it's just a little hobby that I can do and fortunate to have the means to do so, I guess. (laughs) That's cool. Is there anything else that we didn't cover about Lanai that you wanted to make sure uh, listeners know? Just that Lanai has a very unique and rich cultural history. And, you know, without the work of the Lanai Culture and Heritage Center, um, which actually my mom was a founding member, a lot of it would not be prevalent now. So we're very blessed to be, I guess, moving forward and standing upon the shoulders of those that that came before us and did all of that hard work in Mm. getting all those oral traditions written down and 
and making sure that these these traditions were preserved, right? Mm-hmm. And who understood the importance of it when others were telling us that it was not significant, right. you know? So to me, there's no greater treasure than the knowledge of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very fortunate to still have some of that knowledge that we can utilize today to hopefully guide us forward, right. you know, as a people and as, as a, as a human race. Right. Right. Well, that is, I love that. That's so special and very important. And now I just want to say thank you so much for your time today and for coming on Hawaii's best. Thank you so much, Brian, for reaching out to me. I wish you all the best and I can't wait to hear more from you. Absolutely. Aloha. Aloha. I just want to thank Anella again for her time and coming on today. My biggest takeaway from my conversation with Anella is that no matter where I'm traveling or no matter where I'm going, it's always important to have an understanding of the culture. But maybe you don't have a full understanding of the culture you're traveling into. If that's true, it's super important to always be to always be asking questions, to be in a posture of humility and of just understanding that the world is such a beautiful and eclectic place that when we travel, it's not about what we can do to that place, but it's what can we allow that place to do to us. And really, that's the heart of Hawaii. And I hope you picked up on that in my conversation with Anella. So to stay up to date on these conversations with amazing people, hit that subscribe button. And I look forward to hanging out again on the next episode of Hawaii's Best. But until then, be well. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Hawaii's Best Podcast. To stay up to date on future episodes, be sure to hit the subscribe button and find us at livehawaiisbest.com.